Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. praise God. We're talking about words that move heaven this morning. Words that move heaven. 1 Timothy 6 and chapter 6 and verse 12 is our opening text. This life that we live is a fight on this earth. No matter what we think, we're engaged in warfare, no matter who we are. And in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, it makes it very clear to us, fight the good fight of political powers. Intellectualism. Mm -mm. Fight the good fight of what? It's a fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed or confessed a good profession or confession. It's the same Greek word that's translated both professed or confessed before many witnesses. Notice that the life that we live is a faith life. It's a life of faith. And the fight that we fight is not a fight with swords or shields. It's not a fight with bombs, grenades, bow and arrow, any of that nature. Nuclear powers. It's a fight of faith. And a fight of faith is a fight with words. Everybody say words. It's a fight with words, the words that we speak. You recall the story of uh, Goliath and David? Remember that story? If... Let's just say um, ESPN was putting it on and it would be like they would bill it as a Goliath versus David or pay-per-view. Can you imagine having to pay to watch that fight? Well, I wouldn't say that. I would say that it was something like this. Goliath said versus David said. That would be the fight. Why would I say that? Look at 1 Samuel 17. Since you asked the question, I'll give you the answer. Okay. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, notice, he said unto David, Goliath said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will. I will. Not my gods, but I will. Give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. So that's what Goliath said. Goliath said, I will defeat you in short. I will. Hmm. Then said David to the Philistine. See, Goliath said, now this is what David said. David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. 
But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will. Did you notice that? He will and I will. Notice the connection there. Notice the cooperation there. Notice them working in partnership together. He will and I will. God will do his part and I will do my part. He will deliver thee into my hand and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with a sword or a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Can you see the battle here? Goliath said, David said. There's the conflict right there. Goliath said, I believe in me. I believe I'm a warrior. You know, he's 9 to 11 feet tall. Some say somewhere in that range, 9 to 11 feet tall, a little taller than I am. But he's not that big. And he figures because he was a, a warrior from his youth, he's skilled, he's trained, he's developed. His shield is so big, he got to have a guy carry it for him. They said his spearhead weighs so much. You can't even imagine it, okay? So he's trusting in himself. And David now, David is somewhere between 13 and 15, if you do a study on this, between 13 and 15 years old. Can you imagine with all the warriors, all the individuals that were there in the Israeli army would not stand up to him and also Saul was head and shoulders taller than anybody in all the camp. And they're all cowering in fear all these days and all these nights when he comes out and he defies the armies of the living God. And no one will fight him. And so what happens? This 13, 15-year-old boy just stands up and just says, did you, did you hear what he just said? Am I mishearing something? Uh, say that again. What did he say? He meant that? Who, who's he defying the army of the living God? They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Who is he to defy the army? Is there anybody here that's going to step up to the plate and do something about this? And what happens? He's told by these others, you know what? To anyone who defeats this guy, he's going to get a lot of money. He's going to get the honey, his daughter. And no taxes for the rest of his life. And David perked up and just said, what? <laughs> the honey and the money and no taxes for the rest of my life? I'm in. I'm in. I'll do it. Runs it by Saul. Saul says you can't do it, of course, and all that stuff. But David says, look, there's nothing that this guy can do that's greater than my God. And he tells Saul, your servant slay the lion and the bear, now this is football season. I beat the bears and the giants, and I beat the bears and the lions, and now it's time for the giants. And they're going down too, right? And of course, Saul's like, What? You, gonna, you really mean that? Yeah, I mean it. Would it not be wonderful if God were to pull back the curtain that separates the natural world from the supernatural world so we can see what really happened in that fight. Can you imagine this? Imagine if we saw 
when God pulls it back, an angel holding Goliath's head still, so it's not a moving target, and David just getting his sling and just letting a, a rock go, and then maybe an angel blowing on it straight where it needs to go between his eyes to knock him out on the ground, kill him. Can you imagine if we saw behind the scenes what took place if God allowed that? Imagine the lion of the bear. Now, 13, 15-year-old boy, how big's a bear? How big's a lion? You ever see a lion? Can you imagine him just going off and just saying, I know my God. I'm responsible for these sheep. Get your hands off of me. He said, I grabbed him by the beard. Can you imagine if God pulled back the curtain? allowing us to see beyond the natural into the supernatural realm. And we can just see an angel empowering him to kill this lion or to kill this bear. Wouldn't that be something if God would do that? Would you like that if God would do that? I'm glad you're with me this morning because he did. You ready for it? Look at Daniel chapter 10 with me. See, in Daniel chapter 10, he pulled back the curtain that separated the natural world from the supernatural world. And what we have revealed to us gives us some answers as to, in some cases, you know, why some prayers are delayed in being answered, why some prayers go unanswered, maybe some blessings in people's lives are never materialized, but also it reveals to us the importance of our words, the words that we speak. We see that here in Daniel chapter 10. Look at verses 2 and 3. In verses 2 and 3, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. That's 21 days. I ate no pleasant bread. That means no pizza. That, that's what that means. <laughs> neither came flesh nor wine to my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, I want us to look at this from two perspectives. Number one, the curtain is not pulled back. And when the curtain is not pulled back for 21 days, what are we left to? Speculation. We can theorize. Well... Maybe the 20th day. Man, did God even hear me when I prayed? Maybe the answer is no. Maybe I just don't have enough faith. Maybe he's just delaying it for some reason. Maybe I need to suffer a little bit more. Put up with this a little bit more. And the list goes on and on as we speculate as to why something hasn't happened in those first 21 days. Heaven was silent for 21 days. Now, let's skip over from not having the curtain pulled back to having the curtain pulled back. And if we see the curtain pulled back, we see it from a different perspective. Do you remember the situation with Elisha when he and Gehazi, his, his uh, servant, were at Dothan? And in that place, they were surrounded by the Assyrian army. And you recall that this is 2 Kings chapter 6. And so while they're in their little cottage... Gehazi gets up, the servant gets up, he looks outside the window and he sees all these people around him, Syrian army around him, surrounding him in horses and chariots and warriors. And he goes to his master and he says, well, how are we going to fare in this? What's going to happen to us? And he said, don't be afraid, Gehazi. There's more to be with us than to be with them. Can you imagine Gehazi? What? There's two of us, and there's hundreds, if not thousands, of them surrounding us. And then Elisha says, Lord, 
open up his eyes so that he can see beyond this natural realm to the spiritual realm. And the Lord opens up his eyes. And when he opens up his eyes, he sees around about them, around about the Syrian army, chariots of fire. Wow. Now, who's got the bigger army? Who's got the greater power? Okay. Then what happens? Some think that Elisha lied. But let's just put it this way. In times of warfare and battle, sometimes you don't give all the detailed information to your enemy. He withheld some things. He asked the Lord to do what? Strike them with blindness, right? Now remember, they don't know who, they're looking for Elisha. And they don't know who Elisha is. They just went there to, to where they were. And they're looking for him. And so now they're blind. They can't see a thing. Elisha comes out and says, oh, you're at the wrong place. And if you want to find who you're looking for, follow me. I'll lead, him. I'll lead you there. Was he lying? He leads them to Samaria. When they finally get to Samaria, the Lord opens up their eyes. Well, they do see him because he's there. He's Elisha and he's there and that's who they're looking for. And guess what? You know in the scripture when it says about your enemy, if they thirst, give them water to drink. If they're hungry, give them something to eat. The Samaritan said, should we kill them? They said, oh, no, no. Give them something to eat. Give them something to drink and send them on their way home. And that's what they did. What a different perspective when you have the curtain pulled back and you see that you're not alone in this thing. You're not by yourself in this thing. You're not doing it on your own. If God were to open up your eyes this morning and you just drive down the highway, you'd probably see an angel on one side, an angel on the other side. You realize that? We just don't see it all the time. But we see a different perspective when our eyes are open to the spiritual realm. And now they find out there's more that be with us than there be with them. And so that's what he saw. Now they went back to where they came from and they were well fed and cared for and all that. And they didn't get killed. So he didn't really lie. He basically let them down the, a different path. Well, what's that got to do with this? Let's look at what happened with Daniel. As we look behind the scenes and the curtain is removed and we can see to the realm of the spirit, it'll bless us. Look at verses 12 and 13, Daniel chapter 10. Then said he unto me, Fear not. Now, what takes place in these 21, after the 21 days is he has a vision. And in the vision, he sees certain things. And finally, an angel comes and taps him on the shoulder and says certain things to him. He said to me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Notice that again. From the first day that you sought the Lord, from the first day, and you set your heart to seek the Lord and chasten yourself, thy words were heard. And I'm come for your words. Next verse. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. 
Obviously, we can now see something more clearly and we don't have to speculate. Why was it delayed? It wasn't because God was delaying it. Was it being denied? God wasn't denying anything. God didn't delay it. God didn't deny it. But the moment we get in faith, it's like your faith antenna goes up. I guarantee you this. The moment you step out of the realm of the natural into the supernatural with your faith antenna up, you're a target for the enemy. Well, why is that? You're obvious. Why am I obvious? Do you remember when Jesus told the Roman centurion, I've not found so great faith in all of Israel? Because not too many people operate in faith. They were all right there. They're all believers, but they weren't operating in faith. All of Israel. I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. So he said to the man, go thy way as you believe, so be it unto thee. So the moment our faith antenna goes up, you're kind of an odd person with your hand up in the air, your antenna up, and the other enemy sees you, and now you've got three armies coming against you, the devil, the world, and the flesh. Your own flesh will oppose you because you feel pain or you have a, a natural thing that's going on. The world speaks against you. you what, what do you mean? You're believing God for something? You're crazy. And the devil, you know, as well as I do, will come to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want your faith to be operative or functional. He doesn't want you to have the victory in your life. So you got these three armies coming against you because you stepped out the arena of the natural world into the spiritual world, and you're stepping out in faith, and you're believing God for something. And now you're under attack. Now you're engaged in warfare. And so what does he say? Look, the moment you prayed, the moment you sought the Lord, your words that went out of your mouth at that moment, they were heard and I was dispatched from heaven. I was dispatched immediately. But on my way, the prince of Persia came to stop me and fight with me. And for all these days, here I was engaged in warfare. And then Michael had to be sent to come. Why? Because you know what, Daniel? Because you didn't stop walking by faith. You stayed in the arena of faith. And what happened was Michael came along and he took the fight over and I came to talk to you and I'm going to go back here after I'm done talking to you with your answer. I'm going to go back and help him. So if God were to pull back the curtain, as I said, enable us to see beyond this natural world, we see some things that are taking place and that's going on, which possibly could help us out. Well, you know what? Even though we may not see it with these eyes, we can see it in scripture that it's what's happening. And so it's up to us to recognize that we're in warfare and there's some things that are taking place in the unseen realm. You know, that's why the Bible says, no, as we, we're not supposed to walk by what we see, but, but what we don't see. While we look not at things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. The things that are seen are temporal, subject to change. But the things that are not seen are eternal. In other words, get a foundation in things that are unseen. Put the basis of your faith on things that you don't see with your physical eye, but you know are true because they're founded in the word of God. And as you do that, then praise God, dig in your heels with tenacity of faith and stand firm in your conviction until what? Help comes on the other side and brings victory into your life. Well, notice this. The moment his words were spoken, they were heard and Gabriel was dispatched from heaven. You know what? It's a good time just to talk a little bit about angels. There are different manifestations of angels there are different kinds of angels notice you've got ministering angels they are sent look at hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14 you've got ministering angels that are sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation are you an heir of salvation then you've got ministering spirits that are there 
ministering for you because you are an heir of salvation. You know, then you've got your guardian angel. Remember Psalm 91? He'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They'll bear you up in your hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Remember he said they always before, behold, behold their face before the Father. Even a little one has an angel, a guardian angel watching over that child. Okay, so we've got ministering angels that minister for us. We've got guardian angels that watch over us. But then also we have messenger angels like Gabriel. Gabriel was a messenger angel that came to deliver a message to Daniel. Also Zacharias and also Mary. But then you've got warring angels like Michael who comes along. And what does he do? He gets engaged. He gets involved. So in other words, the moment his words were spoken, Angels got involved in his affairs. A messenger angel came to bring the message. A warring angel came to defend and fight so that Gabriel can get there and deliver the message. Wouldn't it be nice if every single day God would just pull back the curtain for us and we could see what's on the other side and see what's really going on? Especially if you stepped out into the realm of faith, the arena of faith, and maybe you're getting to that place after 20 days like you might be wavering just a little bit, but you see what's really taking place is that the enemy is trying to do what? Get you out of faith. Well, thank God that we have these angels that respond to the word of God that's spoken. But look at Psalm 103 and verse 20, because sometimes we read these verses, but we overlook what they really mean and what they're saying to us. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments and hearken unto the voice of his word. They hearken unto the voice of his word. Angels listen and respond to the voice of his word. We could say it this way. Daniel, when you got before the very throne of God, when you sought the Lord in prayer, seeking his face with your whole heart, I believe he spoke God's word back to him. And you'll see that in just a moment. God, this is what you said. I see the 70 years are up. I see what's taking place. It should be the time of our deliverance. This is what you said in your word. And I believe that you're a God of integrity. You're watching over your word and you're going to make it good. Gabriel then hears those words. God hears those words. He dispatches Gabriel from heaven and Gabriel goes down and responds to the voice of God's word. Now, I hold in my hand much, really much of the word of God. I'm sure there's some other things he might want to say that's not in this book because he's God. But we have enough of God's word right here that if you and I give voice to his word, he will hearken. The angels will hearken to the voice of God's word. If I don't give voice to God's word, angels have nothing to hearken to. But when you and I start declaring and decreeing what the word of God says, angels get involved in our affairs. God will dispatch them from heaven or we can even release them ourselves. Look at the book of Exodus chapter 23, just to show you something. Angels are not to be provoked. They're not to be provoked. You see, we need to have this kind of teaching to better understand our position. Angels are not to be provoked because if they are provoked, look out. Exodus 23. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. And to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. 
But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Termites, and cut them all off. I wish he would have said the stink bugs. Have they emerged again? Oh, come on. Why am I bringing that out? Because the angel was going to go before them and just, just get rid of all the might so they can get into the promised land. But when they got there, you know what they said? We can't do it. There's giants in the land. They're too big. We're too small. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do it. Guess what they did? They provoked their angels. They provoked the angel. And now the angel is not doing anything for them. They're not going to get into the promised land. Judgment's going to fall upon them. Why? Because they provoked the angel with their doubt and with their unbelief. Unbelief kept them out of the promised land. So God wants us to know that we have angels charged over us. He wants us to know we have messenger angels, angels to minister for us. We also have guardian angels around us. You know, imagine this. A guardian angel, just what's he there for? To guard us, to protect us, to help us, to keep us secure and safe. Some angels are probably saying, would you please stop contributing to the enemy and give me access to your life so I can do something for you? They're like this. They're standing there with their arms folded like, you know, all right, stop talking. Stop talking. Stop murmuring. Stop complaining. Start siding with the word of God. Start proclaiming the word of God. Start declaring what the word of God says. Yes, I know all that's true, but... What's the but? But greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. But God's on my side and we're well able to take the land. But I'm as strong today as I was when I was 40. I'm 85 right now to do war and to do battle. That's my mountain. Give me that mountain. I'm going in. When angels hear us talk like that, guess what? They're not provoked. They are right now on mountain guard, praise God, ready to go and help us to deliver us, to minister for us, to guard us, to keep us divinely protected and safe, and if need be, bring us a message, whatever the message might be. Now, let me show you how it happened. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Don't provoke your angel with words of doubt and unbelief. This is the angel Gabriel appearing to Zacharias to tell Zacharias your wife, who is of an old age, is going to have a child, and he's going to be John the Baptist. And Zacharias responds to the angel, Gabriel, by saying, whereby shall I know this? Mm, you're treading on dangerous soil there, Zach. For I am an old man and my wife while stricken in years. And the angel answering said to him, I am Gabriel. Uh-oh. That stand in the presence of God. Uh-oh. And I'm sent to speak to thee. And to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because you believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Ouch. Did you hear that? You think Gabriel was a little ticked off? Anybody here think he was a little upset? <clears throat> he came from the presence 
of God, from the very throne of God itself, with a message to deliver to Zechariah, a message that should have created joy unspeakable to think that he would have a child after all these years because they longed to have a child. You're not only going to have a child, but he's going to be John the Baptist. He's going to be the greatest of all the prophets until the time of Jesus. <clears throat> How is this going to happen? My wife's old. I'm old. Okay, that's enough of your speaking. Get out the duct tape, boys. Let's get his mouth just taped shut so he doesn't say anything else until this happens. Because you can see he can interfere with what God wants to do. Has your mouth ever interfered with what God wants to do? Has my mouth ever interfered with what God might want to do in my life? You're not human if it hasn't. We can all say the wrong thing. Every single one of us needs to watch our words and beware of how impacting and powerful our words are. Because death and life are in the power of the what? Of the tongue. So you see, God wasn't pleased. Gabriel wasn't pleased. And their angels, his angels couldn't do what they needed to do, which is why they had to keep him quiet. Now, you take that same Gabriel who goes and visits Mary and tells Mary something that's even equally, you could say, okay, they were too old, but here he, she is a young girl. Okay, they're too old to have a child. She doesn't even know a man to have a child. Look at the spectrum here. They're too old. She's, old. she's old enough to have a child. You know, 15 years old, you can still get pregnant and have a child. Not without a man. She doesn't know a man. And Gabriel says to her, you're going to have a child. She goes, how? I don't know a man. No problem. The Holy Ghost will come upon you. And the child in your room is going to be fathered by God himself. What does she say? Now that can't be possible. How can that possibly happen? Did she say that? Mm -mm. She said, now that's pretty far-fetched. What are my friends going to think about me? A young girl like that saying, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. God did it to me. Not even the devil. God did it to me. Really? No, she, what does she say? Be it unto me. First she says, behold the handmaiden of the Lord. In other words, I completely surrender my life to you. I give my body to you. I give my all in all to you and be it unto me according to your word, which really transcends all scientific understanding and biological understanding. But you know what? You're God. Okay, I'm yours. And what happens is a miracle takes place. You see, God's not the one who's withholding anything from us. God wasn't denying it. God wasn't withholding it. God wasn't delaying it. Look at Psalm 8411. This is the picture of who God is. Our God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So was God withholding? Was God delaying? Was God denying? Absolutely not. What was happening? A warfare taking, is taking place. The enemy is at work trying to do something to disrupt a person's faith. And we all, all of us go through the same thing in our lives as well. And unless we're focused and we really understand this warfare that we're in, and we learn to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought the obedience of Christ, it's easy for us to fall victim to the devil, the world, and the flesh. Once again, I admire Mary being a young girl that young and saying something like she said. Think about it. 
And then I could kind of relate to maybe Zacharias by saying, my age, my wife's age, a baby? Oh, my goodness. Imagine it. But you see, unless we pull back the curtain and step over to the other side, we're what? We resign ourselves to what our senses tell us. We listen to what our speculations are. We develop our own theories and in some cases even doctrines. It wasn't the will of God. It wasn't the will of God. Why? Because it didn't happen within the first 20 days. It wasn't the will of God. So you see, when we step over the other side, our eyes are open. We don't speculate. We don't theorize. We see clearly. We don't draw our own conclusions. We see what really happened and we base our belief system on that. What stopped it from happening? The devil. Look at 1 John 5, verse 19. What stopped it from happening? For those, what delayed it in those 21 days? We know positively that we are of God and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. What a statement made by the Apostle John. This whole world is under darkness. Unbelievers are being governed by the realm of darkness. And if believers allow it, we'll be deceived into thinking that they control our lives. Because that's what they want to do. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came to give you life. I've said this so many times, so many years. Make a dividing line between what God does and the devil does. The devil comes to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly or life to the full. So does it steal? Does it kill? Does it destroy? It doesn't come from God. Does it give life to the full? Yes, and it comes from God. And that's the position we have to hold. Even though in the natural doesn't look like it. We've got to step beyond that curtain. Step into the spiritual realm and start declaring it, start saying it. And believing it. And you know, when it comes to even your declaration of faith, your confession of faith, in just a moment, I'm going to go to some scriptures that show about that, uh, teach about that. Let me just quickly say this again. I believe that because I believed what I'm sharing with you today and daily, I thank God that my angels have charge over us to keep us divinely protected and safe from all loss, harm, damage, or injury in any way. I believe they're active each and every day. When my daughter was almost hit by a truck and surely would have died that day, I, I couldn't see what took place in the supernatural realm. But I do know this. This is my oldest daughter, Lisa. All I know was, I'm looking this way, she's darting from the car that way, a truck is coming around the bend that way, going 55 mile an hour, it was a pickup truck, and as she darted off, I put my hand back like this without looking, and somehow grabbed her wrist, and pulled her back like that, and the, car, and the truck went by 55 mile an hour like that, and in my spirit I heard these words, in your pathway is life and there is no death. Now if God would allow us to see, me to see that, would I have seen an angel putting us together, putting our hands together, putting my hand on her wrist? Trust me, try to do it. It doesn't really happen just like that. I wasn't looking. I couldn't see. Out of my peripheral vision, I see a truck. My daughter's gone. Don't even see her. I just go like that and pull her back. In your pathways, life, there's no death. So all those naysayers that are out there, oh, you're one of those name it, claim it. You're one of those blab it, grab it guys. Really? Call me what you want. It saved 
my daughter's life. It gave me two more older boys. It healed my son, Andrew. It's the same concept. It's the same faith. Do we operate it 100% of the time, all the time? No, I'm as human as you are. You realize that? But why am I sharing these principles? Because we don't want to provoke our angels. We don't want to to hear you couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Beloved, we're living in a generation right now that nothing can help this world that we live in. Nothing can help our government. Nothing can help our nation except the hand of Almighty God. That's it. And if we want the hand of God to move, then we got to get on board and declare that Jesus is Lord over the United States of America. And this government was founded upon godly principles, biblical principles, and we believe to see the hand of God upon this nation once again. If anyone could raise it up, he can raise it up. So we pray for our government officials. We pray for our political leaders and believing that God is directing their hearts and their minds. Now, let's just close this with the importance of our words. Real quickly, go through these scriptures. First of all, number one, Hosea, chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Look what they say. O Israel, return to the Lord thy God, for thou thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words. Not a lamb, not a sacrifice, but take with you what? Words and turn to the Lord. Now, mm, let me give you, let's see, let's give it quickly, quickly here. I don't think I could do this quickly. But anyhow, words spoken by E.F. Hutton. Words spoken by your great-grandma. Words spoken by your employer. Words spoken by your neighbor. Words that you concoct in your own head. Let me see, what words will I take to the Lord today? Hmm. I know this guy down the street. Ah, no, no, not too rough. What words am I going to take to him? His. His. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves or the praises of our lips. We take to him his word and we say to him, Lord, you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me that I may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I got fear on the left. I got fear on the right. I got fear in front of me. I got fear behind me. But you know what? I'm not going to fear because you said you said you would not. You would not. You would not by any degree leave me nor forsake me. So I'm saying what you said. We will look at these next two. Jeremiah 1 verse 12 just says he watches over his word to perform it. And then Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 says he's the high priest of our confession. Did you know that Jesus is the high priest of our saying the same thing that God said? He's the high priest of our confession. So we take to him his word. We declare what his word says. You said in your word by his stripes I'm healed. So by your stripes I'm healed. You said the Holy Ghost is quickening me with resurrection life. I believe he's quickening me with resurrection life. I believe you're greater in me than he is in the world. I believe that. And you see what you're doing. You're cooperating with God. Number two. In, in Matthew chapter 12 verses 34 to 37. These are the words of Jesus. Do you think Jesus knows anything? A little bit. Or is he fully aware? Oh, okay. 
Oh, generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every, every, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. For by thy words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Whoo, glory. By our words we'll be justified. By our words we'll be condemned or judged. So our words will judge us. Our words will justify us. You say, how can that possibly be? A man can't get saved by his words. Really? Romans 10, beginning at verse 8. When you make your word God's word, you're cooperating with God. Look at this verse. But what saith it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Those that say, I don't believe in that word of faith. Paul does. Paul preached the word of faith way back when. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How did you get saved? By aligning your words with God's word. And when you aligned your words with God's word, the word of faith came into your heart, came into your mouth, and you proclaimed it, you declared it, and you were justified by your words. Someone once asked the question, when you get to heaven, why do people always think that Peter's at the gate? You ever hear that all the time, and Peter, Peter's at the gate? Let's just say when you get to heaven, and Peter's at the gate, and Peter says, what authorization do you have to come into the kingdom? Why, what qualifies you to come into the kingdom? Well, I was good. Get out of here. <laughs> well, I gave alms. Uh, get out. What qualifies you to walk through these pearly gates right here? I'll tell you, Peter. One day my eyes are open and one day I called upon the name above every other name. The only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And when I called upon the name of Jesus, I was washed in his precious blood. And now that I'm cleansed, I'm set free. I'm made whole by the blood of the lamb. Come on in, buddy. Do you see that? We aligned our words with his words. And guess what? The door is open. By our words, we're justified. And on the flip side of that, when someone says, I ought to be there because I was a good guy, doesn't work. Doesn't matter how good you are. You can't make heaven. Okay? So we know that. Now you're judged by your own words. And you know what you're here? People say, glad the guy that told me at the funeral... I did a funeral. He's like, after I got done, I didn't realize how boring I was during that particular meeting. But I guess for someone who's in his position, it was boring. But I told him how to get saved. He stretched out his arms. I'm glad that's over. He said, I don't fear God. I don't fear man. I don't fear standing before God or any. I live my life the way I want to live my life. He said it. Trust me, he didn't have to say it too loud for me to hear it because he was standing right in front of me. Okay. Guess what he's going to hear if he doesn't change since then? He's going to have played back to him on a huge screen. You ever see God's screen? A huge screen saying, he's going to hear himself saying that. And when he sees himself saying that, 
He's now judged by his own words. You don't need, I don't need Jesus. Okay. Three, third, and how, how powerful. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, For verily I say to you, whoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, believe that those things which he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Now we have the law of faith. And so we see, number one, we could see that we approach God with his word. Number two, our words justify or condemn us. And number three, we speak to the mountain and don't let the mountain speak to us. Because the mountain will speak to us and tell us why we can't do it, how we can't do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we say, no, 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 this is what God said. I'm not telling us to make up what we want to make up and just say what we want to say. That's name it, claim it. That's blab it, grab it. But when you say what God said, when you say you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me, and I say that, thank God, you're not leaving me or forsaking me. I say that you're greater in me. I'm saying what he said. Guess what? He's obligated to make what he said become a reality in our lives. So mountain, get out of here. Be removed. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. These verses are important, so let's throw them up. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walks, walks about seeking whom he may desire. May he devour. May he devour you? The rest of you, it's okay? May he devour you. What's he doing? Walking. Walking like a roaring lion with a big cry, wanting to devour you. But he has to have permission looking for the ones he may devour. Did you ever play that game, Mother? May I? May I? Well, well, guess what? The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are upright before him. So if the devil's walking and God's running... Who thinks going to get there first? When he hears you say, uh-uh, devil, not today, not today. God's on my side and he's greater in me. When he hears you talk like that, guess what? Praise God. He's running to you. Look at the next verse. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We're all attacked by the devil and he wants to come against us. And he's waiting to see someone he may devour. Well, who may he devour? Those that don't proclaim the word. Those who agree with what he's doing. Those that agree with what the world circumstances are. Those that talk like that, you're an open door to be victimized by the devil. Number five, Matthew 16 and verse 19 tells us that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And the better way to say it is, I think, the Amplified, it says, whatever you bind on this earth, having been bound out of heaven, and whatever you loose on this earth, having been loosed from heaven, well, what is God bound? What is God loosed? The devil's been defeated, praise God. Jesus is Lord and victorious over it all. And when you and I, with words of faith, bind the activity of Satan, you can bind what he's doing. You could hold him in captivity or hold him in bondage when it comes to a person's life. I remember one time I was using the same concept. This fellow was unsaved and family members were praying for him. But I didn't know this at the time. In the Bible study way back in Youngstown, so many years ago. And they asked for this person to be saved. He was in a hospital at that time. And I said, okay, let's pray for him. Lift him up before the throne right now. And I said, I bind the activities of darkness that blind the minds of this person from receiving the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And I loose or release the power of God. I loose the ministry of the Spirit to bring conviction Upon him of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and labors of love to go across his path to bring him to Jesus. 
and said, thank you, Father, for the victory in this person's life. You know, next week I came back to the Bible study. The person stood up and just said, you know what? We prayed that prayer. And guess what happened? During that week, someone walked into that hospital, walked into his room, didn't even know who he was and says, I'm here to talk to you about Jesus. And he gave his heart to Jesus. He was born again. Are we using and utilizing all that God has given us? Look at the last one. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Well, yeah, look at, look at what it says. Death and life are in the power of the what? Not the foot. Not the hand. Not our hair. We're not Samson. But the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What? We eat the fruit of our words. We eat the fruit of our words. I taught this 43 years ago when I first came here, and some tagged me as a heretic. But guess what? If I quote God's word and I, they call me a heretic, so be it. I didn't make that up. Death and life are where? Power of the tongue. And they that love it, whatever you love, you're going to eat the fruit of it. If you love to murmur, you love to complain, you, you love to talk about sickness and disease and all these awful things, you're going to eat the fruit of it. But I'd rather say what God said. I want to close with this, well, two verses. They're just too impacting. I can't let this go without it. So give me one more minute. Is that okay? Yeah. Look at the verse, Hebrews 13. This is from the Amplified Bible. Because everything you say must be rooted and grounded in what God said. This makes a big difference because you're not saying what you say. You're saying what God said. Let your character or moral disposition be free from love and of money, including Greek avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said. Say it with me, God said. God said. Say it again, God said. Okay, what did he say? I will not in any way fail you nor give up uh, give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not. Do you think he's wanting us to know he will not? I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So we take comfort and courage and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. Say with me, the Lord's my helper. Say it again, the Lord's my helper. Hallelujah, the Lord's my helper. What can man do to me? The Lord's my helper. You see, the point he's trying to make, I will not, 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 because I'm your helper and I said it, so now that I said it, you can say it. Everything we say must be rooted and grounded in what God said. If he said with his stripes I'm healed, I'm healed. If he says I'm redeemed from the curse, I'm redeemed from the curse. If he said the greater ones in me, he's greater in me. If he says I can do all things through Christ who is my strength, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Sabbaths, I said that for 14 hours one day and nothing happened. Oh. Read Daniel chapter 10. You'll get that in a moment. But anyhow. In conclusion, okay, our words can move heaven if our words align with God's word. Our words can justify us. Our words condemn us. Our words can move mountains, praise God. Our words can heal or hurt. 
They can help or not help, right? Let's throw up this final scripture. If we don't live by this one, mm, something wrong with us. Say unto them, as truly as I live, says the Lord. Ready for it? As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Ooh. Wow. You think God meant that? So what's he hearing us say? What's he hearing us say? I'm so weak and beggarly and barely getting along and I could hardly make it through life. And you have no idea what happened to me. And you know what? I, I, just, I just have so many issues and so many problems, Lord. And, you know, it's just I'm, I'm just so weak. And I'm... everybody's against me. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. And, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we're all tempted to have a pity party. Aren't we all tempted to have a pity party? Anybody know what a pity party is? You have so much pity for yourself that you invite friends to come over and join you. It's a pity party. But wait, 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 wait but I'm going to invite that. No, no, that one's too much in faith. Don't talk. Don't bring that one. I want pity. No faith. No faith here. Just pity. Someone here coming, complaining. Help me complain. Look at my wounds and everything else. Let's all stand. <laughs>